What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to episode number 146 of the VK Bros. With the VK Bros, Jason and Alex Von Cannell, coming at you on Friday night. Tonight? How are you, Alex? I'm good. I want to first of all say thank you to everyone that's been listening and watching our shows on Rumble and on other platforms. I've actually received a few nice uh, messages about the previous podcasts and it's actually started up some conversations with people I know that on subjects that they wouldn't usually talk about, which I cool. found interesting. So that's very nice. Awesome. Uh, we do that's get a lot what we're of here views. To do. Yeah. We do get a lot of views, but we don't have that many subscribers. Mm. So if you are on Rumble and you are listening to it, just push the subscribe button and then give us a thumbs up. Yeah, give us a thumbs up. Give us a comment. That does help push us out into the algorithm. What I've really noticed with Rumble is all of it. we get all of our views in the first two days. And after yeah. that two days is over, it's like it stops pushing you to the front page anymore, probably because you're just not getting as much interaction. But it's that day three, it just stops. So... Yeah, if you can subscribe, give us a like, and throw a comment uh, down below, even just to say good day, uh, that would really be appreciated because that helps us out. So I have two stories I want to start with. One, mm-hmm. is, these are personal stories. This is about things that happened this week. Mm-hmm. One is a bad one, and one is a good one. I'll start with a bad one. I am so over ticketing systems. Right. I've had two horrible experiences so tasha and i are trying to go oh we're going to japan Mm -hmm. and when we're in japan later on this year formula one happens to be on so i thought hey how cool would it be to go to the formula one in japan yep so i sign up to the formula one mailing list on the official formula One website and it will say we will contact you when the tickets become available Mm -hmm. for purchase so woke up one morning boom they're available so i get on there's some tickets there all right cool click through no, there's ones that just keep bouncing you. No, you can't You can't choose this adult ticket because you need a kid's ticket. Okay, try to... Uh, um, but it's not a kid's ticket. So I'm like, okay, I, th- I feel like this is just a shakedown because these are the cheapest tickets. I'll just go some more expensive ones. So yeah. there's these like $800 tickets, $800 per person. Jesus. So I click on those. Yep, cool, they're available. Oh, got no choice, right? I'll buy those. Click through, get to the checkout filling through the form like as as quickly as I can. Most of the stuff I already have pre-filled. Uh, go to push pay. Oh, no, the, the checkout's changed and you need to go back to start. And yeah, they've been awesome. sold out. Awesome. Now, that happens all the time on these ticketing things, right? And, yep. and, and people defend it. They're like, oh, no, they give you a certain amount of time and da-da-da-da-da. Nah, I was in it. I was filling out the form. And, and they would effectively taken from me. And this is how I see it. It's almost as if you went to the supermarket and you scanned all your items. Yep. And just as you're going to pull your wallet out to pay for the items, you look up and all your items are gone. Yeah, yep. Okay, outrageous. Mm-hmm. So at this stage, it doesn't look like I'm going on Formula One. I'm going to try and go through a, um, a travel agent to see if there's someone can hook us up with some, uh, like, uh, tickets like we did for the previous one. Yep. But it doesn't stop there. So I bought tickets to an upcoming comedy show in June for Mark Normand. Yep. They popped up. All right, cool. I'll buy six tickets. So I bought six tickets. All good. Actually, that one went pretty, pretty smooth. Hard to find. Actually, it took me like four goes because the UI, the user experience, the user interface 
is they're all shit, right? Yeah. That it's not a cohesive click here, click there, boom, you're in, okay? But I got it. I secured the tickets. Then like two weeks later, they reach out and say, we overcharged you for those tickets. You have two options. Move your tickets to the next day or someone from our office will contact you for you to repurchase your tickets. How does that make any sense as two options? That's exactly what I You overcharged me. How about you just pay me back the balance? And I was like, I'm going to miss out on these tickets. So yeah. I'm going to go there because uh, I tried to call, couldn't get through. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go there. It was power, at the powerhouse um, museum, I think they call it in Brisbane. Yep. So I drive there and she goes, oh yeah, we've been trying to contact you. And I'm like, no, you haven't. Like my mobile phone is my job. So yep. I answer every single one of the calls because I think there's a deal. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this whole rigmarole, there was an issue. She was telling me the whole thing. I was like, yeah, that's cool but I want these tickets. And she goes, oh yeah, we actually just processed your uh, uh, credit card refund today. And I'm like- What are you talking about? I don't want a refund. Mm. I want the tickets. Anyway, round and round and round and round and round. Now guess what? This is where I'm at right now. So that (laughs) happened on Saturday. Right Mm -hmm. now, I have no tickets. And and no money. the refund is going to take 10 days. Oh my God. Now- they want me, they said, oh, so when she rings, like she couldn't even do it when I was there. I had left. And then half an hour later, she, she got to the resolution of, of give my credit card. And I had to read out the number like 15 times because her system kept just spitting the, like the, like every time she clicked to the next screen, it just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, I want you to write down on my file that if I don't get these tickets, I'm going to be really pissed off <laughs> because all I want is the tickets. You've overcharged me $10 per ticket. Yep. It's 60 bucks. Give me a voucher. Oh, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work. <laughs> what I, you currently do doesn't work. I don't so understand get- why like, you haven't secured tickets with your overpayment. Right? Why, why, the, said, why are your tickets care. available when you've paid, I, you've paid too much for them? I actually don't. I care less about the money as I do about the tickets. Yeah. The tickets are what I want. But now I've got $600 less in my account and no tickets. And I said I said to Tasha, I said, we're not going to go see Norman. I know what's going to happen. Mm. This, like, so there was that. So that's, that's two things. You should like tweet Third, that story to Mark Norman. Well, I'm got, I, see if he can give you backstage passes for the fuck around. He's going he's gonna to book it out. He'll be fine. <laughs> the next thing, this is less ticketing, but more... Digital human interface issue, which both these things have uh, have been sort of in the same vein. Just before you get into this into this story, uh, for our our listeners and viewers, if you think this entire podcast is just going to be Alex's general frustrations with life, we it's not. We've got some big stuff to get to a little bit later in the show. Uh, So he promises to make this one brief. (laughs) I am a little bit. I am a little bit sensitive to these human digital interfaces yeah. because my patent involves it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I guess my patent solves some of these problems. And now it's so, it seems so crazy to like, and people defend it. People go like, oh, no, it worked for me. It just took me 18 goes and I got it. Mm, and I'm like, yeah. 
that's not right. Like, if you did that with anything else, if you, like, had to... If you had to buy fuel and it took you 18 swipes, you'd never go back to that petrol station. No, that's right. right. So anyway, went to, went to a Mother's Day breakfast on Mother's Day, which is terrible. I took mum out today, so a yeah. week later. And it was yeah, awesome. you, guys, you guys went out somewhere for it, right? Yeah. That is a man. massive no. rookie error. 100%. And I said, yeah. I've told them, I'm not doing that ever again. Yep. We get there, it's packed. And they said, okay, you can order on the QR code or you can go and line up at the front. And I said, if we order on the QR code, is all our food going to come at different times? And she goes, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's shit. Yeah. I'm, how about I'm going to go out there and order? And she goes, how about I take your order here? I'm like, why didn't you just do that in the first place? <laughs> so she starts taking her order. But because they wanted, we wanted to split the bill, I didn't want to split the bill because I'm happy off. I've always got cash ready to go to yeah, square yeah, it yeah. up, but they wanted to do it that way. So Tash and I order ours, and then the other three order theirs. So we ordered coffees and food. Well, the first three coffees that came were not ours; it was theirs. Awesome. Then the next, then the next three meals came, not ours; it was theirs. Still haven't got our coffees yet. So I say to the lady, "Hey, I don't think our order went through." And she goes, "Oh, let me go check." She comes back with a, a docket. She goes does this look like your order? And I'm like, yeah. And she goes, oh yeah, it didn't print out. (laughs) That's cool. I'm I'm getting like angry and frustrated just listening to this shit. I hate this stuff so much. It's the worst. Yeah. It's the worst. You take the, the, you take the, like one of the busiest days of the year and then you put these systems in place that you don't even know how to use just to completely fuck up the, everyone's experience. <laughs> like, but no, I don't think they knew how to use it, but they've got no countermeasures. I, I, said to, I said to the waitress, I said, this wouldn't happen if you guys had, like, if you guys did it the old way. Because what you guys have done is effectively, imagine a waitress taking an order with a pen with no ink. Yeah. They wouldn't just keep writing and submit a blank receipt to the kitchen, yeah. right? They would be alerted that something happened. But that's the a better system now, too, because at least a waitress knows an order has been made. That, that, but that's what I'm saying. So, so at least then there's a person involved that says, wait a minute, those, like, that's not right. Like That doesn't fit. And I remember taking, taking that order. Yeah, at least, unlike the other... 10 times this has happened to me <laughs> at least this time they didn't ask me for the proof oh <laughs> show me evidence that you did that yeah right okay but but here's the fix right instead of having a printed receipt come out because we're digital right so mm. let's say the ordering thing is digital well go and buy a 200 dollars tablet and have a tablet over the the um barista stand and a tablet over the in the kitchen, mm-hmm. and then you touch it when it's when it's finished. So you're not going to have problems with paper not being printed out, which has <laughs> happened to me three times now. <laughs> imagine, okay, so imagine a waitress going like, uh, "Oh, I wanted to take your order, but my book's empty." <laughs> that's what they've done to me, just digitally. Okay, oh, so that's the bad stuff. I, that's the bad stuff. That's that's my frustration. Do you know what? The good... Oh, have you got more? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I want to move to the good thing now. Oh, yeah, okay. Good story now. <laughs> so the good story is... All right, so that was the start of my week. Uh, last night, we... The boys and I went and did a 
tarmac rally at Queensland Raceway. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time we've, we've done this event. Uh, it was with Skid Control. And um, we've done a Skid Control event before out of Morgan Park. And it was a bit, you know, it wasn't the best put together um, thing. But this one was really, really well done. Queensland Raceway, um, Tony Quinn, who bought it, has spent a fortune on it. It's funny. The track sucked before. It used to be called the paperclip because it basically had a straight, a turn, like a 90-degree turn, another 90-degree turn, a straight, a hairpin turn, a yeah. hairpin turn, a hairpin turn, and went back on itself. And it got, it was quite boring. All he did was he put like a joiner, a joiner here and a joiner here and a joiner here. And now you can have multiple different formats through the race. Like you can, oh, you yeah. can change the track and, have, and, and do it different ways, which is really cool. cool. Yeah. So this tarmac rally we did was a, it's the first nighttime event that I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And it was the first, uh, because it was nighttime and it was Ipswich and it was like 12 degrees. And because you're not on the track all the time, your tires are ice cold. Right. And the track is ice cold, which mm-hmm. means there is no grip. Yeah. The very first car that went out was this like heavily modified Volkswagen up got trailered in, had crazy aeroplastic windows, big turbo, had the rally lights on it, literally comes out of the gate, first turn, we're just pirouettes off the track. <laughs> but, but we had an absolute ball. I do need to say that there was four of us. Um, we're very competitive as a group. Uh, I did win. So <laughs> that's, I told everyone I was going to. I was not winning uh, until the last session. And, uh, um, Nugget, who um, just recently bought a car basically the same as mine um, to race, and who really probably earns deserves more credit than what I do because I only beat him by like two one hundredths of a second. Right. And I've had like a year's worth of seat time in my car. Mm-hmm. He's had like two months. Yeah. Uh, but I want to talk about mind games. <laughs> so he had the advantage in that I went before him, like, yeah. like almost a group session before him. So he got to trash talk me before I got in the car. Right. But I'd never get to trash talk him because by the time I come back, he's already in the car in the lineup. Yep. So in the last session, before the last, the, our fourth session, and this is my one shot, I've only got this shot, like I'm going to go out first and then he's going to go out after me. So if I don't do it in this... It's done. And the track seems to be getting better mm-hmm. as the night goes on. And I said to him, I said, you're in an advantage because you get to trash talk me and I don't get to trash talk you. I wanted to tell you, go out there, mate, and have a great race. <laughs> and then when he got in the car, like uh, I had done my session and I went faster and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, cool. But he still got his session, so I was quite nervous. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, I've got to fuck with him now, don't I? So I tried to ring him. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I knew his bluetooth would be connected to the car yeah, and he's sitting yeah. in the lineup yeah. it didn't answer it didn't answer but i know that i was like and i know i turned around to the other guys and i said he's gonna make a mistake yeah and if anyone goes to his instagram they've seen him <laughs> he hit one of the codes got him and then, and then, and then just got so loose and just did this massive slide and yeah. uh and i beat him so that's nice. not count. Oh, congratulations. i did get beaten by a girl i did get beaten by a girl you did uh, yep, yep. So, uh, how progressive? I, yeah, I uh, actually asked her for advice before my last round because she was mm-hmm. so fast, and that that advice definitely helped. 
makes me feel better to know that she races in like one of the Toyota 86 series. Right. So yeah. I was like, okay. But I was pretty happy. I came 11th overall out of 50 cars. That's pretty and good. And I was fifth in rear wheel drive cars. Nice. And, when's and when's we the drove next event that you're going to? Next weekend at Lakeside. Cool. All right. Yeah. Well, you guys yeah. can pick it up where you left off. Now, are your stories yeah. finished? Finished. Thank All right. you. In the in the um, what's what's the what am I trying to go with here? Since it's story time, I just read some stories. Like and subscribe. <laughs> yeah, like and subscribe. This is good stuff. Um, but I just yeah. read some stories to the boys before they went to bed before we started this podcast, and we just got these little these little booklets here gifted to us. And I I think I might just share one of these stories just with the listeners, just briefly. They're only very small. They're very short. This one's called Macapaca. <clears throat> is that no it's Manny Pacquiao you idiot <laughs> uh, I think Manny Pacquiao's cancelled in 2023 <laughs> once upon a time in the night garden Maka Packer went out with his ogpog his soap and his sponge he washed the hahoos he washed the teeny tiny pontopines he washed the tomlaboos who had pinky pong juice on their trousers Everybody loves to have their face washed. Macapaca. Oopsie daisy. Go to sleep, Macapaca. The end. What the fuck is this? Yeah, are they trying to make kids, like, idiots? Honestly, like, all the stuff that's been going through the... I felt like... like that, that's like what my brain felt like at Trivia last week. Yeah, but, but like, all the stuff that's going through, like, Red Pill Twitter at the moment about drag queen story time when they're they're reading the books to kids of like you know my mummy is a daddy or you know how yeah, to transition at least they're using dad- real words yeah at least <laughs> it makes sense i reckon i reckon these are the books that like dan andrews had read to him as a child which is why he thinks the world makes sense in the way that he sees yeah. it i'll give you i'll give you another one there's a few of these what's a, what's the other better one let's go this one i think um, i think macapaca's writer was on the uh on the glassy pipey. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Here's one. Um, Eagle Piggle. Let's go with Eagle Piggle, shall we? Once upon a time in the night garden, Eagle Piggle was feeling tired. He wanted to have a rest. So Eagle Piggle went to sleep in Oopsie Daisy's bed. Wake up, Eagle Piggle. Only Oopsie Daisy is allowed to go to sleep in Oopsie Daisy's bed. Daisy do. Go to sleep, everybody. Wait a minute. Somebody's not in bed. Who's not in bed? Eagle Piggle's not in bed. Don't worry, Eagle Piggle. It's time to go. The end. <laughs> oh, I would burn. I, I think I'd burn those books too. Dude, this is I'd this burn is. Those books. I'm telling you, they're not reading these books to their kids in China. <laughs> no, they're not. They're, not. When we, when they're we... reading. They're reading studies about what these books' effects are on the West to their yeah. kids. So when we when we wonder why kids these days are so um, easily influenced by whether it's gender ideology or all this other stuff, it's because everything we're reading to them when they're young makes the world not make sense already. Well, when I watch like uh, Pingu, yep, and like, dude, that's like uh, they speak in Sona. Yeah, but it makes more sense than those books. Yeah, 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 yeah. At least you can actually understand what they mean from their actions and stuff like that. 
those books make zero sense at yeah all. i'm with the left on, i'm with the left on that bring on the trans books oh i thought you were gonna say i'm with the left on that burn them burn all the books <laughs> all right let's get to some of the serious stuff for this week um got a few things that we wanted to briefly touch on uh first of all there uh, is... hit the like button every time jason taps the table Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to do that. If, if you think I'm sitting sort of awkwardly, it's because I've taken my hands off the table because I'm trying not to make so much uh, ambient noise. Um, first thing, can you go to the class action for vaccine injuries, please, Alex? Okay, so this, this case has just started this week. Um, now this story actually came out earlier in the month, but the case actually officially started today or yesterday, I believe. So class Wait, action. Before you read it, before you read it. Yep. This we predicted this would happen like twelve months ago. Yeah. Over twelve months ago, we said we knew that none of the, the things that they've implemented were just and right and mm-hmm. lawful. Yep. And we knew that even though there were things provisions written to protect certain parties we knew there were parties that were not protected yeah and therefore would be held accountable eventually so and, I just want to start with that. and the biggest thing that we understood to at least coming into this year is that the lawyers were going to be going through all of this stuff because they are chomping at the bit to make the money that they're going to make out of mm. all of these cases when they go through yeah um, so this is on um, Sydney Criminal Lawyers, their website. So the title is Class Action Commenced Over COVID-19 Vaccine Injuries. If you can scroll down a little bit for me, Alex. And maybe just zoom it in slightly as well. That'll do. Uh, up a touch. Uh, let's just see how that's displaying. Yeah, it's good. Okay. A class action against the Australian government over COVID-19 vaccination injuries has been filed in the federal court. More than 500 people are part of the class action filed against at least the Australian government, the Department of Health and Aged Care Secretary, Dr. Brendan Murphy, uh, who retired. Sorry, who resigned, I should say. I don't think he actually retired. And the Deputy Secretary of Health Products Regulation Group adjunct professor, John Skerritt, who also just recently retired. They are the respondents in the Federal Court of Australia to recover compensation for injuries obtained as a result of taking one or more COVID-19 vaccines. Court documents claim the respondents' actions to advance the acceptance and use of the various uh, approved COVID-19 vaccines constitutes negligence and or misfeasance. They further claim such negligence and or misfeasance caused class members to suffer loss or damage, including but not limited to personal injury, healthcare expenses, additional out-of-pocket expenses, economic loss, the need for gratuitous care and additionally or alternatively commercial care, and or non-economic loss. Common law claim. Both negligence and misfeasance, uh, misfeasance in public office are considered to be common law torts, meaning they are part of the law developed by courts over time rather than enacted in legislation. Although there is legislation that also enacts specific forms of both negligence and misconduct in public office relating to discrete acts in both civil and criminal law. Civil negligence. Negligence in the civil law is where, one, a duty of care exists between one party, whether a person, business, organisation or other body, and another. Two, the other party breaches that duty by failing to exercise reasonable care and or skill. And three, 
the duty of care to which the party is owed suffers damage and or injury as a result of the breach. The present claim asserts that, one, a duty of care was owed by the government to the public, two, that duty was breached through failing to exercise reasonable care by not properly advising of the risks of vaccines and or not fully researching the impact of such vaccines and or creating a situation whereby those who did not take a vaccine faced repercussions, and three, the breach has resulted in injury. Um, we don't have to Doesn't, really yeah. go through the rest of it, but that's obviously the basics of the case. So this is going to be extremely interesting. and We do need to, to follow this with a fine-tooth comb, and I'll be keeping an eye on it for you and keeping you guys updated. We saw during the pandemic the amount of court challenges against things like mandates or, uh, I mean, lockdowns, etc., and how they all failed. And I think the big key difference between this case and all of those other previous cases is, number one, the amount of data we have now on the ineffectiveness of the vaccines themselves. and Because the, that was know, the get-out. That was the what all yeah. the judges said, well, I'm not a scientist, so I can't talk about... That's I right. can't judge on any of the, the, the anything that's in this, so we're just going to throw it out. Yeah, and the the first big case that we followed, which was the one in Sydney, which was Casim uh, versus Hazard, that literally just came down to the fact that the medical experts that the plaintiff Casim brought into their case to to put their information forward. Uh, the judge just said, well, the government's got their medical person, you've got yours, and I'm not a scientist, so I don't know the difference, so I think that the government's has more merit. That's that's the whole reason why that yeah. case got thrown out. So it's going to be fascinating to see what ends up happening with this. Uh, Can I also say that I think this is the tip of the iceberg? Absolutely. So the, the, I think these are the low-hanging fruit ones, the, the ones with personal injury. Yep. I think there's still a large case for people that weren't interested. So once all the data comes out, right? Yep. And, and this is this is going to be like a year or two away when the, like all the data that basically uh, categorically proves that you, we were worse off for having the vaccine than not, mm-hmm. any employer that made one of their staff members mm-hmm. take it, and if there's, I think if there's any emails, if there's any correspondence whatsoever saying that you need to do this, I think they'll get done. And the reason why I think that is because I witnessed it myself. I saw a lot of people. I want, I read, I tried to read as much, like I was talking to people in the, in the street about, about what had happened, yeah. like what was happening. And they were telling me what they were being forced to do. I'm like, have you had any correspondence from your employer about it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, can I mm. read it? Yeah. And I was reading it through and all of the, this is what I noticed. All the private companies never, explicitly outlined it never said you must do this or else this okay but all the public ones said as clear as like basically if you don't get vaccinated you're out yeah that's it which that that triggered to me i was like oh okay that the the private sector knows that they're going to be held liable for it and they know that they don't have a bottomless pit of money to fight it Mm. because the government agencies do you're free money from the taxpayer right so they knew it was wrong then they knew they were walking on murky ground then and now it's like it will come out so once a couple of these are won then uh i I, and i suggest if anyone if anyone was put in an uncomfortable position go seek out one of these lawyers that's gonna 
that, that's going to do it. Get yourself some money. Go get. Oh, I think there's a chance that you can still register for this class action as well. I think they're still advertising for it. But I, I agree with you, and and I also agree that number one, you're right. This first case, this is the low hanging fruit. Because at the end of the day, you've got a class action suing the government. The government just wants this to go away and it's not going to cost them any money because it's taxpayer money that'll end up getting paid in settlements anyway. So yeah. I wouldn't be the parties surprised. are gone as well already. That's right. So Everyone's already resigned. Happen to them. Funnily yeah. enough. And, you know, we, we mentioned when John Skerritt resigned a little while ago that there was that freedom of information request that the TGA had been um, pushing back and pushing back for over 12 months about the non-clinical report and he resigned just before it was released like it's you know where there's smoke there's fire right but so i think you will have like this is the low-hanging fruit this is the starting point because if these guys are successful in suing the government now the government mandated it for public institutions like you were saying Mm. the government strongly suggested to private businesses to do their own mandates but it was there was never there was never a, a mandate on certain industries so yeah. any private business that was in a non-mandated industry that chose to do their own mandates their heads are on the chopping block next oh, yeah. based on this first case yeah. so i agree with you i think we're going to see lawsuits for five to ten years yeah, on this stuff absolutely. Uh, at a minimum and and ever increasing as the the more adverse events uh you might even find you might even find some lawyers tipping some money in to do not like i I won't say like medical research but maybe like meta-analysis yep to to like the kind of work that what's that hedge fund guy uh dog uh Uh, dowd ed ed's ed Ed dowd yeah 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 so i I wouldn't be surprised because I think some lawyers' offices, a smart lawyer's office will go, what if we can find a press, or like what if we can find some correlation between X and Y mm-hmm. and all these people were had, had suffered because of that? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, they might fund these meta-analysis mm-hmm. to then take large bodies to, to yeah. court. And look, it will, be, it will be fascinating to see if, like... What it will really come down to is what these lawyers can prove from a scientific perspective in the courtroom. Because, for example, like just what we spoke about, was it last week or the week before, about how the TGA, TGA just unbanned ivermectin all of a sudden. Yeah. If you can prove that the TGA fraudulently restricted access to that medicine because they wanted to force these vaccines onto people, if you could prove that, Ooh, right? Yeah. And that's just Through, one... Surely there's emails there. Surely there's correspondence between there's these people be that have left to say, hey, pull that quick. That's right. And this is what's so fascinating about these court cases is when they go to court and you get discovery and then your lawyers can request all of that stuff. And being hmm. government uh, email servers and all that sort of stuff, I, I'm pretty sure they've got laws that you're not allowed to delete emails and all that, those sorts of things. So... If there's no email trial, well, you know that someone's committed fraud anyway because they've deleted things that they weren't supposed to. So, look, this is going to be fascinating, guys. I think we do need to follow it very closely. Mm. I I just, you know, I'm not a religious man, but I do pray that whoever the judge is that is uh, presiding, presiding over this 
case. I hope there's some good people left in the world. You know, we're seeing a lot of systemic corruption in all different places in Australian society and anywhere in the Western world. We're seeing it everywhere. I really, really hope that this judge is a good person and, you know, sees this case on its merits because, uh, yeah, it's it's been a... Well, I can see a big swing. I have no doubt that it's going to go the way that we predict. And I can tell you, we rang three lawyers when the mandates came in trying to... Uh, trying to find a way out and all of them said to us no we're working with the government to make sure that we are um like we're enforcing the mandates yeah and the fact that they're now not that says something to me yeah yeah 100 100 so look it'll be fascinating we'll keep you updated all right mm. the next thing i wanted to move to and this is a short clip it's it's from i was listening to uh discernible's podcast and he was interviewing this gentleman called Rob McMullen. I actually don't know who Rob McMullen is. I know he's from Queensland. I think he's just a thinker. And right. this was actually a fascinating listen. So I would suggest anyone who just wants to hear someone's interesting thoughts on a whole range of different subjects that um, that matter to us in Australia at the moment, I'd suggest you go and listen to it. But there's this one section I wanted to li- that I wanted you to listen to, and to to give you the bit of the precursor because there's a big gap between when he's asked the question and when he answers it. So I've cut the question out. But Matt Wong, who's the host of Discernible, he asks a question to this guy: What is it that you are most hopeful about, uh, or or most positive, or, or sorry, positive or optimistic about in the world at the moment? And his answer fascinated me. And I wanted you to, to, to listen to it. So. I think, and this might, you might find this interesting as another chat, that the rule of law that we have in the West, if you look at, once again, the empathetic systematic thing, so the two different things like right wing being generally roughly systematic masculine capitalizing and left-wing generally empathetic feminine caretaking intuitions our law it's if you look at anti different types and you know you got to look at types of behaviors not men and women or a man and a woman but feminine masculine type antisocial behavior uh, jordan peterson talks about this too masculine antisocial behavior is is physical mm. anti-social men are physical super predators mm. anti-social feminine behavior is reputation destruction mm-hmm. undermining gossip shaming so anti-social women are social super predators mm. one of the problems we're having now is that our law has properly and and properly responded to male forms of anti-social behavior physical physical violence coercion that sort of stuff um i think with the integration of women into the political sphere and the institutions over the last hundred years it has exposed and 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 the marxists are exploiting a hole in our law which is the whole left by recognizing feminine types of antisocial behavior feminine criminality which is irreciprocal gain via social reputation destruction social coercion so 
a man gaining, he's committing a crime, irreciprocal gain via male antisocial behaviour. Whereas what the left is doing now, like we said, is they're gaining, they're they're committing a crime, irreciprocal gain via feminine antisocial behaviour. And so one of the upgrades, if you want to look at natural law, hopefully we get to a point where our, the, the Marxists right now are, are exploiting that gap in our legal systems. Mm. You know, James Lindsay said this too, the left are masters of playing the, I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you. Yes, yes. And and one person doing that to you may be an annoyance. A thousand people doing that to you for 10 years should be a crime. Mm. So, and I don't think our legal systems have defined which the point at which a lot of these things are actually criminally coercive behaviors but if we do plug that hole if we do get there we're going to have an upgrade in our system of law which is going to be it's going to funnel more people into cooperation and reciprocity which i think would be a bright future for all it would be a very prosperous um and cooperative time and we're going through these challenges now. If we rise to that occasion, to um, to recognise these these crimes, these irreciprocal gains that people are exploiting, um, I think we've got a great future ahead. And I think that that's probably that's that's probably a bright future for humanity. I just don't want to sound cliched, but that's the best way I can say it. A bright future. Okay. Uh, you wanted my reaction because I've not seen that clip. That's yeah. the first time I've seen and heard that clip. I agree with his observation. I disagree with what he thinks the future outcome will be. In in what way? Okay. I I totally agree that there is a and <laughs> when I was thinking about it, it's that metaverse sexual assault. Yeah. Right. It's where the that there was a reporter, female reporter, went into the metaverse and she got sexually assaulted within forty five minutes. So they created bubbles, like a bubble that you can't touch the bubble, and then people were rubbing the pussy part of the bubble. Okay. (laughs) So okay. And it was still the same thing. So I agree that there are stronger laws against the physical, and there's almost no laws against the mental okay mm-hmm. him thinking that there is going to be a change in the law is I think extremely low probability as there will be no catalyst to change it but I will offer an alternative solution which is I think the mental stuff is the easiest stuff to not partake in. Mm-hmm. So what do I mean by that? I mean, if you're in a physical altercation, it's physical is too late, right? Once once you're in a physical altercation, uh, there is no choice but to respond with physical. Um, you know, your words aren't going to aren't going to get you out of a, yep. you know, a, a physical altercation. But these these are. I reckon Trump's the perfect example, right? The 
who cares what you throw at me verbally? It, in the end, it doesn't matter. If you handle it correctly, I think we've spoken before. I can't remember the case exactly, but there was a, there was, there was a case that you and I had spoken about where we, we disagreed on, which is like one of the best things you can do is uh, when you're accused of something is just eat, like flat out deny it, go hide in a hole or do what Trump did and just fill the news cycle with mm-hmm. his version of it over and over and over and over and over again, yeah. right? There are techniques that you can use to defend yourself in that space. Mm-hmm. I, I would rather put my efforts into figuring what, out what that is than hope that the system will change because yeah. I can't see it ever changing. Yeah, so it, it's, it's interesting. So for one... I thought it was a really fascinating point that I've never thought about from a legal perspective because it explains so much of what we have seen, particularly during COVID, but you brought up Trump and that's one of the reasons why I I found it fascinating at the moment because the the Durham report just dropped and I'll get to that next. This is going to be my segue into it. Um, But... It is, it is very, it's very pertinent to me, especially over the whole pandemic, because a lot of what we did experience during the pandemic was this feminine style uh, mental warfare where no one ends up like, our, our, we, we don't have, like you said, we don't have the legal framework to punish people for doing the things that were done during the pandemic. And that's things like, you know, like the... We, we went through that TJ non-clinical report about the Pfizer vaccines. We went through everything that they knew that they didn't test for before they approved the vaccines. We went through the fact that they knew that autoimmune issues were a potential uh, side effect of the vaccines. And yet they still came out and told everyone, 100% safe and effective, you have to go and take this or you'll kill granny. That emotional thing, that's a very feminine, manipulative energy of... And it was literally just... That's a, like, that's a fraud, right? Yeah. And if, if, it was, if it was a masculine thing, the masculine way to inject everyone would have been to rock up at everyone's door, hold them down, and then put the needle in their arm and inject it. But our laws protect us against that. Our laws don't protect us against what we experienced. And But, but I... I to just to counter that point well not to counter it to I agree with you yes you're right but at the same time both you and I discussed these tactics as they were happening Mm -hmm. and you said it countless times uh, in the midst of the 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 pandemic these are uh, what what were they calling them then they're not laws they were mandates they're mandates they're not laws and like so you knew you had read the fine print you yeah. knew what it meant. And look at anyone, anyone that paid a fine or sorry, got issued a fine mm-hmm. for anything COVID related has had it revoked in court. They're all gone. Every single one of them, 100% of them, gone. Yeah. But here's the irony of it. During the pandemic, especially in Queensland in particular, but all, all around the country, but I know we specifically did during the pandemic, the Queensland government brought in new coercive control laws for like domestic violence cases. Mm. So they mm. brought in new laws specifically and they and they still talk like they still advertise them on TV now. Coercive control is not okay. And coercive control is exactly what that government did 
to to like using the nudge units using the propaganda to fool people into either taking the vaccines themselves to fool people into exposing their businesses to liability by putting in your own vaccine mandate that's that was coercive control and that's like so i I was having a conversation with um a police officer during the week and he was talking about some of the challenges that he's got uh these days with certain things that used to be kind of uh black and white in the past for example domestic violence so we know in australia that domestic violence is primarily a male assaulting a female but oftentimes it's the other way around and what used to happen is if you got a domestic violence call you would go to the call out and whoever called you to make the complaint you would remove the other person from the situation and you would sort it out later so there'd be like um apprehended uh, apprehended violence orders placed against people like split people up and figure it out in the last few years now what police are being asked to do is to go out to these cases and make an upfront assessment as to who is most at risk and remove the other person so they need to make a judgment based off no information and generally because in the policing world there is still biological gender so generally they say well the man's bigger and stronger and more dangerous so he gets arrested the physical threat is high that's right but the mental threat is low that's right and and he has an avo placed against him so think about that from through the through the guys what he was talking about where if it was a case where it was a female being abusive towards a male then the police are called then he gets arrested after being abused and then he has an apprehended violence order put against him and then you go and you try to argue this in a court of law well one of you already looks like you're uh in a worse light than the other and we already know things around say family law like how often she gets the kids you know if there's if there's a divorce right so now now the police are being forced to build in these extra complexities into something that like it literally should be a case of if he calls and says he's been assaulted you arrest her if she calls and says she's been assaulted you arrest him but no now because we're going into this new woke world where everything is seen between um in the guise of uh the oppressor and the victim well now the police have to show up and try to decide and adjudicate on the spot who the victim is so they've got to go with their gut and it's normally going to be her yeah so i I think that's fascinating and and when you brought up trump before so in America, and I don't know if any of you guys have been paying attention to this because it sort of didn't get really that much mainstream steam over here, although it just got shat on when it did. But there's a thing called the Durham Report, which has just been dropped. And the Durham Report was a special counsel investigation into Donald Trump's alleged collusion with Russia to steal the 2016 presidential election. Now, just as a precursor, you will remember how often you've seen in on our mainstream media over here in Australia about how Donald Trump was delusional and um, spreading fake news when he and false claims about the 2020 election being stolen. Mm. 
That is exactly the same thing that Hillary Clinton did about 2016. And that's where this whole Russian collusion story comes from in the first place. Because she not only started that rumor prior to the election, but then she perpetuated after she'd lost the election by saying that she only lost it because of Trump's collusion with Russia and that he was a Russian agent. Yeah. So this Durham report, like the special counsel, the whole brief of the report was to investigate everything in regard that literally to convict Trump of his Russian collusion. The report's just been dropped and essentially it completely exonerates Trump. The Russian collusion story was a plan that uh, Hillary Clinton's campaign had going into the 2016 election. The FBI knew about it and had briefed Barack Obama and Joe Biden when they were still in office. So Barack was president and Joe Biden was vice president at the time. So the FBI briefed those two guys on this saying, hey, Hillary Clinton's got this plan to drop this thing called the Steele dossier to link Trump to Russia. What do you guys want to do? And they just sat on their hands. They did nothing about it, right? So then think, not only would that have been potential election, well, I mean, it is election interference whether he wins or not. So that's election election interference. And then you had four years of Trump's presidency, which essentially it it ruined the legitimacy of his presidency to a a large swathe of the population who voted Democrat. Because if they were convinced that the election was stolen from them due to this Russian collusion... And if you ask most people who are left-leaning, they still think that it's true today. Um, so, so he lost legitimacy as a president. And then when it goes into the 2020 election, and there, look, I don't think that there was enough election interference in 2020 to have had it stolen from him per se. I definitely think that the, uh, the propaganda matrix did its job to convince enough people to vote for Joe Biden, right? And I do think that there would have been um, things like, you know, vote tampering or double up votes on both sides, right? So I I still think that on paper, Trump ended up losing that election. I want to comment. Let me just comment on that before you go to you. Yeah, yeah, sure. Just just on that that one moment. Last night at the racetrack made made me think of the election results. Right. When I, after my first session, when I came back and I saw that Nugget was two seconds ahead of me, yep. I thought he had stolen that from me. <laughs> and I was thinking of all the excuses of why did he start behind the beam and accelerate through it? So, it, you know, instead of from a standing start. Did he have did some he sort of Russian parts in the car? All that stuff. And I didn't just internalize that, Jason. I told people. <laughs> so now... I only spent $150 to do that event. Yeah. These guys have spent tens of millions of dollars or $100 yeah. million dollars on this campaign. You've got to look for the ref. Yeah. You've got absolutely. to look for the ref. And, and you you're going to call anything you possibly can. And you also but, but it is a, it is also very pathetic. And I think if they do it in 2024, whoever, I don't care who, who wins, don't don't try that. Play, that playbook is done. Don't do it. The election was stolen. Don't do it. It's pathetic. So here's the thing, though. Getting back to uh, the, the video point that was just made. 
This is the second time Hillary Clinton has been essentially uh, confirmed that she committed large-scale fraud, mm-hmm. right? But she, there's been absolute, absolutely no ramifications from her, for her. So this is what he's talking about. The, the legal system is not caught up to these sorts of underhanded, feminine-esque manipulation tactics. And I that's think a that's different why... thing. That, 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 that is a different thing because that is a power. That's purely a power thing. That's her family name is so powerful. Yeah, yeah, that's that, probably part of it. So that's, that's most of it because, because Trump's still been done for... Well, no, he got done for a physical. But he's, well, he's so been persecuted for mental stuff as yeah. well. But that's a thing. Attempted to, not found yeah. guilty of. Mm-hmm. Um, Reputation I, destruction, which is exactly what he just spoke about before. Yep. All of I these things... I don't think it's the same thing. Well, let me let me lay it out. All of the things that Trump was either accused of, indicted for, uh, you know, the most recent court case, like you just said, the, the court case where he... Uh, a jury could not convict him of rape, but somehow they could convict him of sexual abuse with no uh, evidence and liable for defamation when the story came became public in 2019 when she wrote a memoir saying that he raped her with no yeah, evidence, yeah, yeah. right? That, like, all of this stuff goes back to his thing and, like, the feminine aspect to it is the reputation destruction. None of these court cases needed to actually go through and win. None of them did. All you needed was all of these court cases in the press for weeks and months so you have the reputation damage in. And then even now, sure. so when the Durham reports come out, which exonerates Trump, you've got the left-wing media uh, just going, oh, no, this is just garbage. Like, they just they just write it off. Because we've said before, the left don't care about data, essentially. The damage has well, already been done. No, but I'll say this. We don't know if there's going to be some kind of counter uh, counter suit. Su- suit from the Trump camp after the results of this. Well, we don't know what that is. Well, there, I Just would say there probably yet. would be. He's he's a fairly litigious guy. He loves a lawsuit, but you also won't hear about it. So what? Like, look at the Stormy Daniels thing. Everyone knows about the Stormy Daniel case and and him him being you know, found guilty of something and having to pay money. No one knows about the countersuit that he filed against her, which he won, and she still owes him half a million dollars. I'll give you a different different, uh, view on it. Because I think think some of those examples that you gave were a symptom of media capture by certain political parties, certain companies. Mm -hmm. And... Obviously, they hate Trump, so, you know, Rupert Murdoch hates Trump, so therefore every, all his um, all his money is going into anything that's anti-Trump. Yep. But there will be a cost associated with that, which is happening now as well, where, like, cable news is falling apart. Did you see the, did you see the breaking points about Pat McAfee's new deal? With, no. With uh, uh, Fox, I think he gets to do... So Pat McAfee's a sports presenter... Um, he was with Barstool. I think he went out on his own. Okay. He's worth tens of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. They're going to pay him $10 million a year to bring his show, his YouTube show, 
onto Fox and he gets to own it. He gets to still put it on YouTube for free. Mm-hmm. And they're going to pay him 10 million bucks just to park it, not even park it, replicate it on their network. Okay. That to me is an, a big example of where there is a massive price to pay because people aren't stupid. When people are like, like although there is there is people getting captured in you know the ten percent at each end the far left and the far right yep. are, are absolutely captured within that media framework. The money is saying otherwise. The money is going the, the, like the viewership is dissipating, and they will pay the ultimate price for fucking around yeah. with the truth. But the thing is. I feel like you're, you're sort of focusing on the wrong element. The media is the mechanism of the uh, reputation destruction. Hillary Clinton doesn't feel any of those ramifications when these media companies lose shitloads of money, viewers, etc., etc., etc. So she's gotten what she has wanted by the destruction of Donald Trump's reputation in these cases, like using this as an example. Yeah, but, but so the, the media but that's the not a, you're right. But that's not a that's not a feminine versus masculine thing. It's not because she's Hillary. Because Hillary's murdered people. Uh, no, no, no. Too. You're she's focusing away on male well. female. I'm for, I'm I'm meaning in like for so for example, what he was like what that clip was referring to. He's not referring to men and women. He's referring to masculine yeah. actions versus feminine yeah. actions. But what and I'm saying is Hillary example, has don't speak physically over me. Don't speak over me. Let me let me get this point out. To give an example one of the, the structures in the law that is not caught up to the current, um, you know, these these feminine-style uh, destruction of reputation uh, tactics is that the, the um, what's it called? The threshold for a defamation case when you're a public figure is through the roof. You have to be able to prove absolute malice in what was said to be able to get even a case off the ground. So that is an example of you go, okay, there's part of the legal framework which has got a massive weak spot because most public figures are never going to be able to prove absolute malice and usually they're not going to be able to prove it by the people saying it, i.e. the media companies. So if you feed a story to the media and the media just reports a story from an unnamed source, which is what they do all the time now, you can't then go to that journalist who said it on TV and say that journalist had absolute malice. I'm just reporting the news of what was given to me. So then you get to participate in the destruction of someone's reputation with no legal ramification. And that's what I think he was referring to. Yeah, but using the Hillary is not a good example, is what I'm saying. So I agree, I agree okay, with that. You can that use sentiment. whatever example think, you want. But I think character assassination is here to stay i don't think anything's going to ever happen with character assassination i think that's um and and the you know one of the tactics i guess to deal with it is if the law if that's if that's the law we'll use it and character assassinate the others but i think the public are getting over it and i Mm. think the people are starting to see through it now it's funny like um you know, you, you, uh, I can't remember exactly what clip it was, but basically someone tried to bazinga Trump in a CNN thing. They, she tried to say something to him that made him look stupid. Yeah. Yet the whole crowd cheered yeah, for yeah. Trump. Yeah. So I think the, the popular centre, the main centre, is going to make people pay 
for the abuse of that character assassination technique. You, you would you would hope so, for mm. sure. Um, I think one of the things that I found really fascinating about that that entire podcast too, and something he spoke about earlier on, he explained something that I think we've been trying to warn people of for a long time, but he explained it very very eloquently. And what that what the concept was, like one of the things that we're concerned about is how. Uh, what the left side of politics is doing at the moment is building in all of these different laws uh, or structures in place, which will be used to control people, but it's under the guise of they're they're trying to help everyone or keep everyone safe. I.e. vaccine mandates was a really good Mm. example, right? And he referred to it, and I'm sure people have used this term before, but he referred to it as having an iron fist in a velvet glove. And that, I think, typifies what we are experiencing. Like, for example, you know, the mandates, like we said. Like I said, how Queensland put in coercive control laws whilst they were coercively controlling their own people. You know, you, you weren't allowed out of the house. Like, mm. if, you, if you had a, a man and a woman at home and the woman calls the police and goes, hey, my partner doesn't let me out of the house except for one hour a day to exercise... And if I'm out there on the street and I don't have a mask on, he checks my coffee cup to see that if to make sure I'm actually drinking something, right? Under those coercive control laws, he would get put in prison. But we were co- coercively controlled. And that's the thing that I think that people need to be so aware of and because it's, it's happening in every part of our society. They do it with the Ukraine war stuff. Right, they pull on the heartstrings. They make it out like they're trying to help the the downtrodden people of Ukraine. They pull out all the nuance, and all that does is justifies us sending our taxpayer money into a war zone, so someone can benefit from that money. Um, I just think that's a really good point. An yeah, iron fist in a velvet yes, glove. Yes, but I think the point is being missed that the, who you're using, who you want to um, persecute is never going to get persecuted. I don't want to persecute anyone. What I want is people to be aware of that sentiment of the iron fist that's inside the velvet glove. So when the government comes to you and says, hey, we're thinking about putting in this new legislation, or for example, we're thinking about voting for the amendments to the international health regulations that's currently being discussed by the World Health Organization, because it's for the benefit of all of us. Because we, look, obviously we didn't do as well in the pandemic as we would hope to. So if we if we do this, the World Health Organization says we'll get a much better result next time. Mm. That's the perfect example. Because at the end of the day, and we, we can run through um, this now, it's probably a good, good chance to segue into it, but like that's a real thing. So we've spoken about it on the podcast before, earlier in the year, oh sorry, it was last year actually, early last year, the World Health Organization tried to make amendments to its international health regulations. That's the agreement that all the member countries sign on to as, part, as members of the World Health Organization. And they'd made these amendments which were literally designed to, for them to be able to take complete control over the member states' pandemic responses as well as declare a pandemic whenever they want to, Right. Our government voted for it. The only reason why these amendments got shot down a year ago was because there's about 48 different African nations that voted against it. 
but they're trying it again so alex can you just bring up um there was just okay you don't have that's that's fine We we don't need to bring it up um i just want to give you guys a few examples of some of the things that are being the proposed amendments to this document so it's it's things like um so it's the verbiage they're changing the verbiage so it's the same document but there's the amendments that are made are literally just crossing out the some certain uh certain certain terms and replacing them with other things such as um so under one of the things it says standing recommendation in quotes means non-binding advice issued by the world health organization the proposed amendment is to cross out non-binding which means that that is binding advice it says again in quotes temporary recommendation means non-binding advice issued by the world health organization again crossed out the non-binding so they are proposing that their advice on both standing and temporary recommendations becomes binding for all member states then there is also uh so here we go including through health systems readiness and resilience in ways that are commensurate with and restricted to public health risks they are proposing that they remove public health risks and they replace it with all risks with a potential to impact public health Uh, can anyone say climate change lockdowns do you think that climate change might be a potential danger to public health um now this one's this one is the best one the implementation of these regulations shall be with full respect for the dignity human rights and fundamental freedoms of persons based on the principles of equity oh sorry of all persons what they are planning on changing they want to remove the words with full respect for the dignity human rights and fundamental freedoms of persons and they want to replace that with based on the principles of equity inclusivity coherence and in accordance with their belief structures so they they literally want to take out the bit that says that they need to respect human rights when they put in these recommendations and that's just a few of the amendments that they're they're trying to approve it's look it's completely fucked but I don't give a shit. But, no, sorry. No, it's not true. That's not true. I think when we are in a position to vote, we need... That is probably one of the key things we need to understand what the people we are hoping to vote for, like what their view is on that. Uh, I know One Nation's probably been the most outspoken about uh, about that because I know Labor wants to get... I think Liberals wanted to, to, to sign on to that as well, which is effectively signing off your your the sovereignty around yeah. uh, medical um, uh, preparedness, giving it to someone else. And this is from the organisation that fucked up the last pandemic. That's right. And potentially created it. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, this is, the, this is the problem, though. As Sorry, the com- reason why I said I don't give a fuck about it is because I won't do anything that they say. I, so. und- I understand that you say that. The problem is when they built... This is what we're talking about with this um, structural prison that they're trying to build around people. You get the legislation in under the false pretenses that it's going to be for everyone's benefit. And then when it gets to a point where... Because literally with these amendments, this is what the World Health Organization can do. They can say, 
uh, climate change is a uh, is a risk to public health. We need to take action right now. Part of the World Health Organization's um, not terms and conditions, but their 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 pandemic the plans, agreement. Yeah, so they've got lockdowns, vaccine passports, mandatory vaccinations, etc., etc., etc. So if you, with these amendments, they can declare uh, something a risk to public health whenever they choose. Then all of their recommendations are binding. So the member states have to do these things. And we already saw some pretty heavy handedness from our local authorities during the pandemic. Yeah, the state leaders. State yep. leaders, yeah. And and consider things They're like, already there. They're already doing it. They're already acting the way that WHA wants you to sign. Well well that's right. But you have to consider the fact that uh, there's a potential with the WHO that you don't even get just local law enforcement enforcing these things. There's potential that you get things like UN peacekeepers sent over here. It's like that. That to me is like them. Uh, it's like when a, a mall cop writes you a ticket. Uh, you know, a Pacific Fair parking ticket. Chuck in the bin, man. Yeah, <laughs> but, but it's, it's not real. It's, it, no, no, it's it's okay, very similar. Very sim- hold on, no, 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 hold on, hold yeah. on. It's very similar. It's very similar to what we kind of said in the outset, which is like there was this this assumption that's the you know the the iron fist and the velvet glove. There was this soft handed approach to try and um, coerce people into doing shit. Yeah. This is that again. This is that no, again. Not. Just just turned up a bit more. So this is this is the next the next level. And essentially, if we don't stop it where it is now, this won't be the last iteration. It will con- it will continue to sure. get to get changed. And one of the changes the key changes they made going into this pandemic that they didn't have in place last pandemic was giving all the vaccine manufacturers indemnity up front. That was a new thing that was signed into contracts this time around. That's why when they had SARS-CoV-1 that they tried an mRNA vaccine with and it killed all the the mink that they did in the trial, they couldn't run that vaccine out because no, like they weren't they weren't going to take the. Um, no, that's not true. They've had indemnity. They've had had, had indemnity for a long time. It's not, not it for an experimental for medication. Right. Okay. Okay. That's the yep. key difference. So yes, vaccine manufacturers do get indemnity when these vaccines go through the normal rigorous processes and are fully approved, not so for I experimental guess, medication. Okay, so, so they gave so you indemnity thinking, up front. You're looking at top down, right? The, the problem with looking at top down is there's very little that we can do about it. Mm-mm. So that's why I try and look no, from bottom up. This I, is I, why I I'm bringing it up. up. Go, well, hold on. I go from bottom up to say, yep. okay, so what is... What can our viewers do? What can our listeners do, practically yep. do, to help uh, best move throughout this this so, this thing? You need to apply political pressure to your local members, saying that you uncategorically disagree with these changes, and anyone in Australian politics who supports approving these changes, because we're not going to get a referendum on this. They're doing a referendum on the voice. They won't be doing a referendum on this. Of course not. Yep. So you can email your local members over and over again until you get a response saying, hey, if just so you're aware, we do not approve of these changes. And if you support them, 
we will vote you out. Like you do need to apply political pressure from the ground up. So that's one thing that you can do. The second thing is, just like what we're doing here, we're talking about it. You need to build awareness about these things because they ain't talking about this stuff on the news, are they? Mm-hmm. They're not saying that there's proposed changes to the the World Health Organization's international health regulations, and that we may be ended up end up ceding sovereignty in the event that they they choose for us to. So talk to people about it. And I know it's one of these things we have this climate that we've created where people are too scared to speak about anything that might get you labelled as a conspiracy theorist. Well, I guess guess what that's the thing that we need to break through the most so any of these conversations about difficult subjects they are the ones that you need to keep having you need to have those conversations you need to talk to people you need to be vocal about i had an interesting one of these i I met someone uh, someone new and we're talking about stuff and you know the subject of bitcoin the subject of finance the subject of mistrust of government came and then it was literally, I said, like, I'm not one of the guys, you know, buying um, buying a block of land in the middle of nowhere and, and you know, and um, making my bullets. And th- this guy goes, I am. <laughs> so, and, and he did not look, like, I guess what, to, to, to reaffirm what you're saying, you've probably got more allies than you know. There's probably, most of the people yeah, probably sitting around you are all thinking it. You just haven't yeah. had that dialogue. Or just yeah. send them our way. We'll help them. Yeah, but yeah, for sure. Like, share these links with people. But, but this is the thing. Like, the system has already built up a social climate, which pseudo punishes people for speaking about these important subjects. And we already sure. saw that during well, the pandemic. Well, that's what you do when you get to you get to move the needles. You you move them to in your favor. That's, that's right. So we obvious. we as a people we need to start moving these needles back. We need to get back to the point where you can have a barbecue with your friends and discuss some shit that might make someone feel uncomfortable. Mm. Like, it's not, it's not a bad thing to bring up a subject that might upset someone because they are so steadfastly... Uh, ignorant. Ignorant about it. That's right. Well, uh, sorry, ignorance is not the right word because I would say that most people are working nine to five, they're def- yep. definitely in the matrix. They may look at outside the matrix and go, I want to be a part of the- being outside the matrix, but you're too busy. You might have kids at home. Yep. And it might be hard for you to do the amount of research that we do. You might not have the interest. You might not have the inkling, but you might understand the ramifications of. Yep. But just know that there's people out there that are on your side. And, and yep. you do have to have you do have to have some uh, purchase in this. And, mm. and my recommendation would be, obviously, build your fortress at home. So, yep. sorry, I don't mean like a physical fortress. I mean like mentally be strong, physically be strong, um, take your reliance away from uh, from any governments or systems, yep. um, sort your finances out. And and like I said before, if understand who you're voting for. So if there is a mm. political party, like they write it on the web pages, man. They're like on their website, yeah. they write what they're, what they're all about. It's yep. really easy to see, oh, this person's pro the thing I hate. Well, yeah. they're not it. Yeah, yeah. And one thing I want to just clarify with you too, because I think one thing that we um, we get our wires crossed on a little bit is um, you are a proponent for not relying on the system and taking personal responsibility. Mm. I'm the same. 
I don't want to rely on the system and I do believe in personal responsibility. All I'm trying to make people mindful of is whether you are reliant on the system or not, the system will still exist and we need to do what we can to ensure that the system is not building a prison around you at the same time while you've got an opportunity to do something about it. Yeah, I also think it could be overwhelming talking about the 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 big, dirty, filthy, corrupt system. And like I said, I think I think there was a Socrates that said it four thousand years ago talked about the corruption of government. It, it if you told me there was the wildest corruption story and it was government related, like I'd, I'd you know you just wouldn't be surprised because it yeah. it comes with the game. And, and I'll, I'll say this. absolutely. 100%. You are as, a person will be as corrupt as their options. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, when you're in the government, you've got, to, you, you have a lot of power, you have a lot of influence, and then you have a lot of, you know, high net individuals that are able to advance themselves and yep. they can give you a nice little leg up and they can sell it to you in a nice way. And, and um, then decisions are made without logic, reason, or for the betterment of, of people. That's right. Um, and that, and that's why you've just got to, sort your own shit out yeah and just do what do what you can to like if there is enough pushback the mandates to me is the best example of it there was enough pushback even though the entire propaganda matrix was against them and i i'm telling you too i don't believe for a second that australia was 95 percent double dose yeah neither do i i don't think it's anywhere any close to that yeah. I think it's, I probably, it's like 60, 50, I was thinking 60? like 65 to 70%. Yeah. Because yeah. We, we do have a, an, an aging population. I think all the oldies took it, right? But, yeah. but there was enough pushback against those mandates that the mandates are all gone. And here's, here's the perfect example of why things like uh, supporting those World Health Organization changes makes no sense. We have more COVID deaths this year than we have had any other year of the pandemic. We are getting thousands of cases every week still in Australia. All of the COVID, uh, well, the vast majority of the COVID measures are gone and not even spoken about anymore. Yeah, We don't wear masks anywhere. You're not mandated unless you're in like aged care or, or healthcare. Like all of the stuff that they said we had to do or everyone would die is all gone, even though the the numbers are worse this year than they were the last year and the year before that. I'll say it like this. COVID is over only because the media has said so. In reality, it's worse than it's ever been. That's right. But the media only said so because enough of us said so. And we said this during the pandemic. The faster people stand up and say no, the faster we get out of this mess. And that's, that's the lesson out of this. And maybe... Maybe you're not going to be politically engaged enough to go and email your local member and go, hey, do not vote for these measures because I do not agree with them at all. You might not be that engaged. But when you start seeing stuff on the news about them going, oh, you know, due to climate change, we're going to need to stop driving our cars during this hour of the day, say no. And say no early and often and quickly and talk to your friends about it talk to your family about it everyone who refused to talk to you because you didn't get to them early enough during covid they'd already been infected by the woke mind virus during covid get to those people early and go hey remember what happened last time yeah, don't this fall is for that it thing again, again. Yeah, yeah this is happening yeah. again say no yeah and on that note 
thanks for joining us guys we'll see you next week